The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. I'm your host. And I get to talk to some of the most extraordinary people on the planet. And today is no exception. Jamie Sherl, Sherling is if my, <laughs> if I could if I could read, that would be good. Uh, Sher, Jamie Sherl is, uh, Sherling is our guest today. She is an author. She's got a book out that's called Queens to Queen. Queens to Queens um, came out September 21st. And uh, hi, Cheryl. Hi, er, hi, Cheryl. Jiminy Christmas. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, <laughs> thanks for putting up with me. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get it right. I promise I will. I'm not um, worried. So, so I, and how are you? And, and the book came out in uh, September. Yeah. And, and the book is kind of a autobiography. Is that correct? Yes, it is a memoir. It is. It focuses on part of my life, not my entire life. That would be too long of a book. Yes. Yes. So tell us about the book a little bit. So the book really focuses on the last four years of my life and been through some trauma, which the readers would find out about. There's some cancer, there's relationship, and then this unexpected community who was really there for me in a way that I wouldn't have expected. That's, you know, we all need a community and we all need people who get us and who, who get who we are and stuff. I wanted to ask you though, you're a young person. What's it, and, and what's it like to get a cancer diagnosis at your age? Well, I'm, I may be, older than I look, which I love, but so I was, who knows? So I was diagnosed when I was 41. So oh, be still my foolish heart. You're not 40. You're, you're not 41 yet. How could you be diagnosed? <laughs> at 41? Oh, see, Kevin, you've, you've made up for everything. Now you're <laughs> my new favorite host. I'm actually closing in on 46. If you could believe that. No, in October, I can't. I will be 46. So I was diagnosed the first time years ago. So it was spring of 2018 when i was diagnosed with my cancer ah uh, and and how are you today i am okay i am actually i am dealing with another diagnosis so that isn't great so it's so for my readers it doesn't spoil anything because it's you could read the back of the book you see so it was very interesting though because when i was even editing the book i thought I was in complete remission. I, I was. I had actually had my port removed and all the things. Fast forward to the spring of 2021, and then I was diagnosed with another cancer. So, so I'm in treatment right now, and 
you know, the roller coaster, I am still on the roller coaster, even though I thought I was off the roller coaster. But I feel like, aren't we all on the roller coaster at one and stay there longer than we think we we should or we are? We're, we all have got our the challenges that that are that we face and some of us do better at them than others you still have got a very uh vibrant uh look about you and uh positivity and you're smiling and and stuff so so i'm 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 proud to know you i'm i'm glad you are going to do fine from this next one that's the plan and as far as how I look, I will say praise be for the people who made makeup. It definitely, definitely <laughs> changes things because my look, I would say a half hour ago and my look to now different human. So I'm grateful. Now that's to be said, do you need to wear makeup every day? Of course not. And we're all beautiful on the inside, but I will say I like putting some things on my face and changing how I look a little bit. I, and I, so do I, so that every day I put this mustache on and then at night I take it off and I put it in a little jar. No, I'm kidding. See, brilliant. And, brilliant. You got it. <laughs> we all, you know, um, I, being a guy, I have no idea what the makeup thing does and stuff, but I know that, that when you grow up and, and you're used to putting it on and it makes you feel better, that's the big thing is making yourself feel better. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the people who wear it, if it brings them joy, great. If they were to do it and it wouldn't bring them joy, then why bother? And I often don't because it's just, eh, it's one more thing to do. Why bother? But, you know, when I get to meet a special host like you, I'm going to shine up a little bit. Oh, my goodness gracious. Now you're in my uh, good good graces. So because you, 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 you are awesome. So let's talk about this community that you were going through some tough times and 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 stuff and this community came and and where did they come from how did you meet them so i this is the drag community specifically in madison wisconsin where i live and i met them in a very i'd say unique way because most people would go to a performance and you might meet a performer i met them in a very different way so i was in a musical with a choreographer the choreographer happened to perform as a drag queen, but I didn't know that. And then after the musical was over, I was asked, do you want to be a backup dancer in a drag show? And I thought, of course, what, why would I say no to that? So I first knew Josh. I didn't know Beverly B. And then went with Josh and met Michael, Dan, and Jacob, who also happened to also be performers, but I didn't know that. So I met them as, like I said, Josh, Michael, Dan, Jacob, and we rehearsed and we practiced. And then I did see, luckily, I did see a drag show before I performed in one. And I just really, really enjoyed it. It brings me so much happiness. So that is how I first just learned about the community. And then going to more shows, being in this really low place and things happening on the relationship front and just getting to go to this place with these people that were joyful and happy and doing something that made them joyful and i feel like that just is contagious and then ended up becoming friends so okay it started with oh this is interesting and i'm going to watch this and then the shift over time to actually becoming dear friends and having conversations and being there for me when maybe some other people weren't you know i i do have to confess i've never been to a drag show uh, so I have no earthly idea. Um, I, although um, 
Do you remember the um, movie that uh, um, that Robin Williams and um, uh, the Birdcage? The Birdcage. Thank you. I knew so when that, you said Robin Williams, I had to think, what do I? What Robin Williams movies do I know? And then it came to me. Yes, yes the Birdcage. Which was a, a a fabulous movie, and they were, and both him and Lane, uh, I forget his first name, Nathan, Nathan Lane. That's right. Mm -hmm. They they were they were phenomenal in that. But so is that kind of representative, or was that Hollywood? You know, I haven't seen The Birdcage in so long that I can't make a comparison. But I'd say it's probably pretty comparative. But I will say it might be different based on the size of city. You know, like you might, if you saw a drag show in, in New York versus LA versus Miami, it might be a little different than if you saw it in a smaller market. But that being said, the talent here is amazing, at least in my humble opinion. The people who I know who perform are just incredible and great at their at their craft. Well, you know, I would I would assume that that uh, you could see a drag show in in New York or LA or San Francisco or mm -hmm. I have I've never checked into Seattle there may be one here I don't know oh I'd be surprised if there isn't honestly but maybe yeah. not yes I feel but like most cities even not the biggest of the big cities they might have one place that has shows periodically but I think it's easier to find than it used to be probably is my guess but I never would have thought of Wisconsin as a place to go find a drag show. That's what people say. But <laughs> the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, not the last, like a couple seasons ago, Jada Essence Hall is from Wisconsin. So the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. So oh, claim very, the name there. Very cool. So now, I, because I have no earthly idea, now these are these are generally men who dress as women. For the most part, yes, there are. So those are drag queens. There are drag kings who are usually someone who might be female and would dress as male, and then everything in between. So it's basically a a big art form. But many of them, yes, are men who appear, you know, wigs, makeup, gowns, and those are drag queens. And they, but they do it for, because of the art of it. And, and what, what kind of is the mindset? If you, you, if you can look into, and I know you've probably had, first of all, this is a great community and there are a lot of really loving, caring people. And, uh, I found in, in, when I've talked to people that are, that are not necessarily heterosexual and, and they, they, they've got a whole different attitude about life. Um, um, the gay people, I love, I love gay guys. Um, and, and, uh, and two of my best friends are lesbians and, and stuff. So I love, I love the, the attitude that they bring because it's different. It's different than, than what we have. Have you found that to be true? So I will say that it, there's just a huge spectrum because as far as I was thinking about why, you know, why different people perform. And I think even in that is a huge range that some of my friends, maybe they majored in theater in college. Some of them have been in musicals in the past and it's truly a way to perform. And you think about some of the musicals that you watch pretty much every single musical, every performer is wearing makeup. They're all wearing makeup. Of course. No matter what their gender is and they're going to wear makeup. So when you 
make that thought to this is performance. It's like, oh, well, of course they're going to wear makeup as well. Correct. It's But it's the guy wearing the dress thing that is a little bit different and the high heels. See, I'm pretty sure that they don't make a 12, a size 12 stiletto heel for me to wear. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> that that is it. It can be, I think, for some almost intimidating because so one of my friends, you know, six foot two male, not in drag. And then you throw on the heels and they they can tower over people for sure when they're starting out at again six foot six foot one six foot two and then also add a platform heel yes they have to duck down you know between going <laughs> not hitting their head on things because yes very very tall i would break my ankles trying to trying to walk on those that is often that would be the case for many many people for sure and I wonder if, you you know, for some of them, was it easy day one? Probably not. Some of the performers I know have been performing for years. So who knows? Rewind the clock. If I had seen that person the first time in heels, maybe they were really wobbly, <laughs> maybe almost <laughs> fell, but they kept at it and kept performing. And now the women in the audience are thinking, I can't walk in heels like that. <laughs> <laughs> and and I assume that the the uh, the shows get sold out a lot, and that that they're very popular because the quality of the music and and the singing and the dancing and stuff is is really high quality, huh? I completely agree. Yes, yes. They many of them really see it as a profession, whether it's and for some it is their full time. It is what brings them all of their income, and then for some, it's. It's an expensive hobby and it costs a lot. I never knew that until I really started to become friends and you talk, you know, the wigs, not cheap, the wigs, the gowns, even the makeup. It So for some of them, they're performing just to put back into it so they can keep adding more to what they're doing. You know, it's, it's, and I, and I don't know. So I'll ask the question. Or do, do you have anybody that is like a, a lawyer in town that uh, is a lawyer as, as, as a male and then he goes to do the uh dr the drag queen stuff and how, how does that work that's a good <laughs> question i can't think of someone off the top of my head but i do know that a number of them have well i know one who is an insurance agent oh so, see that would be the same thing <laughs> insurance agent and taking calls and help it you know there's a motorcycle accident and this is how you do a claim so i would think in a very respected insurance company in town and then also, and then three days later, it's musicals and mimosas, and they're in this gorgeous gown singing show tunes. And, well, you know, and and quite, now that I'm thinking about it, and I'm going, if you are, I have a, I have a good friend that loves um, um, to do musicals, and uh, and his name is Michael, and he he's in Missoula, Montana, and. Um, there aren't that many good musicals out there, but if you if you like to sing and dance and stuff, and in in that environment, there's a lot more activity, and it happens a lot more, and so you could you could really have a good time. You could absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, do some of these some of the guys that do this are they kind of incognito? They don't want you know it's kind of like an alter ego, or do do they kind of blend it all together? That also depends on the person as well. There are some that they're, when they're out, 
and whether they are in their male presenting state or they're in drag, everyone just calls them by their drag name. So they're just chaos all the time, for example. So, but then there are some that are a little more, that keep it a little more separate, whether they have, you know, they have their professional life and they show up and they might just get ready in the dressing room, perform, leave. So yeah, it depends on the person. Some I think do keep it separate and some it's just, this is part of my life. A lot of them have social media and they'll have, they'll have a drag persona and then they might have their, who they are when they're not in drag persona. So a lot of them have that as well. So they'll have two accounts. You know, I, I do have to say, I imagine that it would be really, really freeing to have a completely different persona that uh, that you're going to the club to perform as versus your regular life. And you could it could be like your, your alter ego kind of thing. It could be your superpower. I completely agree. And I think some of I've heard this, that they feel this freedom and that things maybe they would do on stage, it would never happen in their, you know, traditional day-to-day life, but they get on that stage and there's this freedom and they can express whatever they want to be in that moment. And yes. So I have heard that for sure. And, and in, in the theater arts, I was an actor when I was younger. I still am an actor today, kind of just in my regular life, but, and you know, cause you, Never mind. Uh, but uh, when you, but but when you get to play a part, and you take you you take ownership of that part, so that it becomes so real to you that you're not thinking your normal thoughts. You're thinking of the character's thoughts when you're performing the part. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I've only been in two musicals, but I've been in other kinds of performance groups, and so I've performed a fair amount since the time I was nine, 10 years old. And yeah, if you really want to dig in, it makes the performances great too. When you, well, just... how long, how long have you been dancing? Well, so I was in something called drum and bugle Corps, which some people know, some people don't. <laughs> My, just so you know, um in in you may have heard of them the uh, uh cascades and the Seattle oh my cascades. gosh of course i know the cascades yes mm-hmm. and there's also was uh um oh don't fail me now there was another uh, that my friends my other friends belong to that's no the imperials yes um, mm-hmm. and they're no longer around but the uh the uh, um the first one is, and they're, they're, they're still going strong. So you were, mm-hmm. now, were you a majorette? What would you, what did you so do? So I was in the color guard. So ah, I yeah. was in an organization that is also no longer, it was called Florida wave. There was a time that my family lived in Florida. And so I was on the road the first, in the first season, I was more of an assistant. I was an equipment person. They called me and picked up, picked up equipment, helped because I was nine years old. But then after that, I actually and so yeah so i was in the color guard so dance using a flag using a rifle using a saber and so i had done that from the time i was 9 10 until hmm, 20 like 21 21 22 so and all for those, those of you that that do not know how this works let me explain uh it is a year-round deal uh and you're always uh performing or you're always practicing and performing the art because then they go in the spring and summertime they would go like my friends rick and mary they would get on a bus with a bunch of other kids 
and they would go for like three months and not be home. They would stay in places like um, high school gymnasiums and church basements and and stuff. And then and then now, did you did your group have a a food wagon too? Oh yes, that's how you eat. You know, big, the food truck. So yes, we had the food truck, and we were predominantly in high school gyms. That's I'm sure there were a few times we were probably in a church, but most of it was just high school gyms. I've been in, I've slept on the the floor of many a high school gym across the country. You know, and I was talking to them, and and, the, and they were like, "Well, you know, a lot of things went on during the drum and bugle corps days that the uh, folks that were there being." Um, um, chaperones were not really very well aware of because they tended to go off on their own with the other adults and the kids were kind of left to their own devices which which can be you know a very um um maturing thing for a 15 or 16 year old to have to be on their own and have to behave themselves mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. there's a lot of growing up that can happen in those summers for sure <laughs> So that's that's great. So you were in the drum and bugle corps, and then and then after you, and because it, it, you can only be in that for so long, but then you age out. Correct um, of the of that piece of it. There are quote senior yes. drum corps that yes that you could be older, but yes the the one the division I was in yes when you were twenty one or twenty two it kind of depended on your birthday you aged out so then you're done. And so then what'd you do? Um. Well then. I taught for a year. So I taught one of, I taught an organization. So I taught the color guard with another one. And then shortly after that, I got married and then life went on from there. Married, was a classroom teacher for five years. Then I had my first child. Then shortly thereafter, I had my second child. And then life really took a turn. Yeah, it, 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 it does do that. What grade did you teach? Kindergarten. I taught the same grade all five years. So I taught two years in California and I taught two years in, in Wisconsin before oh, I had my first. Would, kindergarten would be a great time. It is. It's an exciting year. It is, I think, one of the, well, I can't, I can't compare because that's the only grade I taught, but it is very physically and emotionally and mentally exhausting. But it's also really rewarding, in my opinion, because you are working with these and the range. I think it's the biggest range in all of education because I had kindergartners that some they could not recognize letters. If you said, where's your name? They had no idea what name was theirs. I couldn't not even not write or spell it, but even looking and saying, oh, that looks like my name. Nope. And then and then someone who could read a chapter book. And that is a vast difference when their ages are pretty much exactly the same or within months of each other and then that comes from how the parents decided to educate them prior to going to kindergarten it's parents it's their it's their environment it's for some it's just their brain you know some some people are just smarter than others and they start out smarter when they're really little but yes environment you get into the whole nature nurture thing whether they've been in preschool or not been in preschool and what kind of preschool were they in and there's so many factors that could go into it see when i was in kindergarten we majored in blocks mm-hmm. and nap those are the two things if we got those down we were good to go once upon a time so and i think you know maybe even not many years before me, that was still the case. But by the time I was teaching, I had heard, you know, kindergarten is really like first grade is what, and it makes sense because we were definitely responsible for teaching them how to read. It was kind of like if they weren't reading by the end of the year, 
they were really behind. So, and I do think they were capable of reading, but some might say there was a bit too much academics in kindergarten. So that's a, that's a whole nother debate. That, that, that really <laughs> is because, you know, at the end of the day, I learned how to read and I didn't learn my letters until first grade and didn't learn how to read until like second grade. And, you know, I was fine. But today I get it. It's it's completely different. Different world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So so what motivated you to write the book? I started writing the book really just in a cathartic way the things that I had went through and just the scribbling some notes. And I wasn't really sure if I wanted to write a book or not. And then the reason why this book really came to be is because of the pandemic. I will fully admit that because I had had very little of it written. And then at the time, I single, a single person, and I have two children, but they, I share custody with their dad. And so for every other week, starting really mid-March of 2020, I was completely alone. And you're probably not shocked at the idea that I am an extrovert. So the idea of being, it wasn't just, oh, you have your bubble, which I'm not saying that wasn't hard in its own way, but I, for, for weeks, there was literally no one. So, right. and I had a job that I worked from home. So I'm grateful that that wasn't a major transition, but I'd work and think, well, now what? Because I'd had this amazing social life, I had friends, I could, I was out kind of all the time, you know, the weeks I didn't have my children. And then it was, oh, okay. So it's five o'clock. I did all the work and now what am I supposed to do? And I did, you know, took walks and wrote cards to people, but just to be completely alone was really quite difficult for me. And I just thought, I mean, I took a while of poor coping and making bad choices and then thought, fine, I guess if I can't do any, I can't see anyone, I can't do what I want, fine, I guess I'll just write this book. <laughs> it was just yeah. that stubborn and of a moment. And I, and that's, and I spent a lot of time writing when I was by myself. You know, I really think that one of the things that's going to come out of the pandemic is going to be some really creative things that people do when they can't go do what they normally do. And Absolutely. so, so because of the, and that, that helped you get the book out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, when you're forced into this, wow, like you said, my usual way of life, how I would usually cope. And for me, it was hard in that for an extrovert, you get energy from being with people. It's literally how you right. recharge. And I'm thinking, oh, I cannot, I'm not allowed to do the thing that would physiologically help me recharge. So you're forced to just, okay, well, well now what? And, and there was definitely a lot of catharsis in writing the book because there were some hard things I went through. So it was almost like, well, I'm having a hard time. Let me just write about other hard times and <laughs> well, and get I, all I, those I, emotions out. I want to save the, uh, the, dr the drama for the book so that, so that people can read the book. And so we don't want to get into a lot of the details of it, but it, it, it turns out that I know that you, you had some trauma and the cancer and the stuff, but you also had this support group that surrounded you and, and, and helped you a great deal. Talk about that. How did they help you? It was, like I said, unexpected. 
And it started out with just a place, almost like an escape, where I could just get away from my life. You know, the, the hard things I was going through. And I've already said I had cancer. So for me, one of my traumas in cancer was losing my hair. And I know that is a different opinion for every person. For me, it was very, very hard. Just they have that moment. I think, again, for me, some people, they're bald or they have very little hair and they just rock it and it looks so good and great. For me, eh, it's not a good look. And I also feel like for some, and this is my my experience, is that you almost look sick. Because it's one thing, like if you have a short haircut and it's purposeful, but it's that wispy, there's hardly really any hair at all. It's almost like, oh, you're sick. And then people sometimes put the expectations on you of, oh, you're sick or maybe I'm going to treat you differently because you're quote sick. And so I would go to this place where I'm not feeling particularly great just physically. And then I have very little hair, which I'm uncomfortable about. And then I walk in and it's, Hey, beautiful. Hey, fabulous. How you doing? Oh, you look amazing. And I'm thinking, no, I don't, but you keep saying it and hearing that love poured on you, especially when you're not really feeling it yourself, it can be very healing and wonderful. At least it was for me. Absolutely. And as an example, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose my hair. It just is beyond me. Um, but uh, you know. can't fathom. <laughs> I've, I, I make it up. I've, it's, I've actually got a full head of hair. You just can't see it. So that's there my superpower. It's invisible. So perfect. But but I know I, I agree with you that if you go to a place that is and I really wish we as a as a culture can do this, um, but there are just some subsets of us that are able to put away all of the crap, all of the garbage, all the politics, all the stuff, and to just care about other human beings. And that sounds like that's the group you were in. I would have to agree. I mean, they there's just a lot of joy. I mean, as far as I will say from a political side of things, there's sometimes it's just the people all agree, so you don't have to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're you're all on the same page, so it's like, oh, we don't really need to get into it because we're not gonna get into it and argue because a lot of us feel the exact same way. So that's a plus. That, that is a plus. But at the same time, if there were some disagreements, it, it would be handled differently than some other subsets or some other groups of people who stand on the corner and yell at each other um, mm -hmm. would do. Uh, because there's a, there's a level of, 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 of caring that, that, is really, that is really cool in, in, uh, in, in some people. So, you know, it's, I'm glad that you ran into these guys. Oh, um, me too. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. It's just funny to think, you know, you said, oh, you you confessed you'd never seen a drag show. How dare you? But for me, <laughs> I before 2017, I hadn't either. So to <clears throat> think, re I mean, really, truly before. Yeah, it was 2017. And I knew it existed, but I'd never seen a show. I'd never seen RuPaul's Drag Race, which my friends gave me such a hard time about. It just wasn't really on my radar. And so, like I said, I knew it existed. And so to think back to then where I had never had any exposure now, how many of these people are just become great friends of mine? 
Well, and 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 to and to be clear, I haven't ever been to a drag show not because I won't go to one of those places. <laughs> Fair enough. But it's it's because it never came up. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I in order to go to a drag show, I would have to go search it out. Rather than having a friend say, "Hey, you know, there's this great place that there's a drag show. Let's go," um, mm-hmm. and I would have gone. It wouldn't have been any issue. I think of that when I think. So this place that I love, it is called Five Night Club. So it is the place I watch drag. I've seen it other places, but that's that's my place. And I think there are a number of people. But they all end up a different reason for being there. You you know, it's the friends of or the significant other of the performers, or it's someone sees a poster. It's like, oh, I should go to that. And then they also do a really great job of having fundraising shows. So I've actually hosted now three benefits myself. And Good well, I mean, you. I didn't really do the work. I'll be re- the my my queen friends was the the host. They did all the work, but I, I shared it, and it was for causes that I had chosen. One of them being the cancer center that I helped take care of me when I was very sick. And so I think that's amazing too. And that's a way definitely that maybe someone who hadn't seen a drag show might go to one because they hear, oh, there's this, this is the show and it benefits XYZ, like I said, a cancer center or maybe just some local nonprofit that they care about and think, oh, well, I'll go to that. And then I'm supporting this that I care about. And then they see drag at the at the same time. So there are definitely instances there where people are there the first time because they were specifically invited for some reason. Exactly. By the way, we're talking with Jamie Sherling and you can go to, do you have a website that we can reference? I do. You can go to whiteyysweets.com. I'm glad that you said that and not me. Say that again and you might have to spell it. I will. So I'll say it and then I'll spell it. It's ydysweets.com. And it's the letters Y, D, Y, and then sweets, S-W-E-E-T-S. No, it is not bakery. No, it's not desserts. The Y-D-Y stands for you do you. So you do you, sweets. Kind of a, a rally cry for me. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. And I could just see somebody saying that to you. Yes. Well, I heard it. I mean, I've heard the phrase you do you, but specifically you do you sweets was at, and it's in the books. I won't say who it was, but it was at a musical in New York city and a person on stage after the show was talking, having an interaction with somebody in the audience who then came up on stage. And the person said, you do you sweets. And it just stuck in my brain forever and ever. And the person who said it is someone I respect very much. And I feel like that makes sense for me and it can make sense for a lot of other people i will say you don't want it can have a negative connotation you know don't use the phrase you do you to be a jerk to people that's if you if that's you don't be you (laughs) don't don't do you if you're going to be a jerk but if you are a good kind human and also just making the choices that are right for you because i think sometimes you get caught up again in expectations and i i have to do this or i have to do that and think you do it's if it's really, really best for you and your heart and soul, then it's probably going to be a good thing, and it's probably going to be the right choice. Now there are times when I am completely mystified how something could turn because you do you sounds like a completely positive statement. Which how could that be used in a negative light? I think. 
think if the you doing you is selfish, again, like if you only care about yourself, maybe, or I don't know, like that's, I feel like everything could probably be taken positively or negatively. I definitely try and focus on the positive side of that. So again, yes, you do you, I see as a very positive statement personally. I, and I as well, because that uh, what that basically means is you just be who you really are, and mm-hmm. and and that's okay. And and unlike in a lot of areas of our society where we spend our entire lives trying to hide who we really are, you're allowed to be who you really are and are accepted as that. That's that's a cool place to be. And I really think the world is better that way. Because and I do know that there are problems I really think that exist because of people, you know, hiding who they are and being shamed for who they are and trying to quash their true selves. And like so many bad things can come from that. So like you said, be who you are and be accepted for who you are. And we're all going to be better off for it. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of my, my mission in life is to, is to let everybody know that we are, we all are the same, but we're all different and we all get to be play different parts of what we're doing and it should all be okay because honestly what you or somebody else chooses to do with their life has absolutely nothing to do with me but i should give them the the opportunity to be who they really are well said you know but we don't know you know we don't all look at it that way i'm afraid that is true mm-hmm you know, why do I come up with a Southern accent when I'm going to talk to about somebody in a, in, in a stereotypically way, stereotypical way? I don't know. It's I just, don't know. It must be something in my DNA. Must be. Must be. <laughs> so, so what are you doing today? Not today, today, but, you know, today. I am debating greatly on the second book because I've had a number of lovely humans who keep telling me when's the next book coming out when's the next book coming out you're working on it and i said no and i said no and i said no and then finally i started scribbling some things so i have recently shared them with an editor because i don't like editing at all and I, if i'm gonna be real i don't even really like writing that much like and i say that thinking remember people the the time that the book came out or when i was writing the book was when I really couldn't do anything else. And I'm thinking, well, now, as long as I stay healthy, I'm allowed to go see friends. I'm allowed to go to shows. I'm allowed to be out in the world. So do I really want to be by my computer writing all the time? Not really. But I do feel like it. I do maybe have a little bit more to say. So we'll see. So I am waiting for my editor's feedback. And and we became friends over the because this is the person who edited my first book. And I was very honest and said, I really need you to tell me like if it's yes, push forward. Like this is some good, good work. Go ahead. But if it's eh, eh, no, just I'd, I'd leave it on a flash drive and that would be okay. So we shall see what, what she has to say. But obviously she liked the first book. She did, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about this one. I don't know. So, and you know, she's a professional editor. She's edited a lot of books. So I feel like I will take her. I will take her feedback under advisement. So we'll see. 300 words a day. I, I had a, a, a writer who I asked, what's your motivation? How do you do? And she said, well, you know, I, I committed to myself that I was going to write 300 words a day. Doesn't take a great deal of time, 
-hmm. but over time it builds and so so it's not like it's not like you become a slave to it and you and you're there 12 hours a day 300 words a day and you can and then um maybe maybe it'll come to you who knows it could it's possible so we'll see where'd you come up with the title for the first book i'm like oh right you don't know the title for the second one i don't even know if it's existing so i'm (laughs) like oh yeah that one so it is a play on words so it is from queens to queens because i lived the first seven years of my life in queens new york so it is from queens to queens and then the rest of it is how the madison drag community saved my life that which which is really cool um go to her website which is you so ydy sweets ydysweets.com mm-hmm, exactly and you can find out all about her and and uh and the book and get the book um it's on amazon and everywhere around right yes and that's one of the tabs in on the site is where you can get the book because there are some local shops close to me that i am so honored that my book is there so i mean i love the idea of shopping local but i know not everyone lives in a small radius of me so yes you can also get it at amazon I, I I love that. Everybody should rather than everybody shop at Amazon. Have you seen one of their procurement centers? Mm-mm. They are absolutely huge. They're like three or four football fields long. Of yeah. and, and, and I mean they're they're a big company. They don't need the revenue, but your mom and pop down the street that is trying to survive doing their passion and selling books. Um, give them your business. If you, if you. And I will say, if you have a local bookstore by you and you love them and, you know, maybe you get the one book off Amazon, you make sure you read it first. And if you like it, then I, I would be thrilled to be in more local bookstores. I love being in the ones close to me. So, and I'd love to be in ones in different all over the country. Well, what you sadly, what you got to do there is put together a, a world tour and to go do book signings in a bunch of places. I would not mind at all. I was very seriously considering that last fall, but it was just too last fall and winter and COVID was still cases are spiking, but maybe they're down and maybe they're up. And so that needs to be revisited. When I thought of it, it just wasn't the right time. Well, and I would, if, if I twas you, I would wait till this fall and mm-hmm. this winter to make sure that it, it, we don't have a rinse, rinse, repeat kind of thing, you know? Yes, for sure. We are, we're still living in a, in a pandemic world. So. Yes, we have. And by the way, at, at, at the time of this um, um, podcast, over, it's, you know, still a number that boggles my mind that over a million people have died. It's yeah in the United States mind-boggling for sure from this. So, and so what I'd like to do at this point, Jamie, is to I'm going to step aside, and I would like you to tell our audience, the ones that are listening now, or the ones that are listening in the future, anything you'd like them to know about anything at all. Oh my goodness! Can you ask me that again? No pressure. That was that seemed big and lofty. <laughs> well, and because what I I had a, I had a friend of mine just just as an aside, I had a friend of mine and she goes, you know, I love it when you do that because the most honest, real, positive stuff always comes out from that 
moment in time because nobody has a chance to prepare for it. So they speak from their heart, which is by design what I want you to do. Okay. Hmm. So something now we're in the future. That's. Well, no, for, for, I'll, I'll rephrase it again. Thanks. For, the, for those people that are listening now or in the future, I want you to tell them anything that you would like them to know. Okay. That now, now I got it. I think I misheard the word listening. So I thought, what am I doing in the future? So thank you for, for anybody listening now or whatever down the line you're listening. I would say when i wish i wasn't saying the word when but when you go through a hard time because let's be real we're we're all gonna either we're in a hard time now or we just finished being in a hard time or we're going to have something challenging i I don't think any of us are immune from that if you are reach out and just tell me how amazing your life is but really i think all of us go through hard things and it's all different we all go through different hard things and if you find that there are people who love you and support you and are there for you and allow you to be you hold on to those people as tightly as you can. I couldn't agree more. And by the same token, if you have people that don't support you that are not vibrating as highly as you are, are not caring about you or other folks, you can let them go because they don't serve you. Um, but, and then go, in search of people like Jamie just described. Um, and that will serve you well over time. And they'll be there and they tend to stay around longer too. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamie, thank you so much for being here and go get the book to from Queens to Queens. It's 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 a great read. I've enjoyed our interview. How, how'd we do? I think we did great. Thank you for having me, Kevin. We we went all over the place and I loved it. Well, that's sorry. That's kind of just what I do. That is um, what I do too. My, it's my favorite where you're talking about something that you didn't plan on talking about. And it's a great conversation. I treat it. I like to treat it like you and I are having a cup of coffee and the listener is, is sitting at the next, at the, ta- at the seat next to us and just listening to us having a conversation. So you wait right there. I will be right to bake. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of kmmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named kmmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.